Hello and welcome to Bible 101. This is lesson number 36. We are continuing our study of the book of Acts. Today we're going to finish the book of Acts and hopefully get into some of the epistles. Before we begin, let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity to be able to study the Word of God. Please talk to us today. God, guide me to the pertinent points. Anoint me. I cannot do anything without your anointing. And anoint the ears of the hearer. God, help them to hear and apply the Word in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're continuing our study of the book of Acts, as I've already stated, and Luke is the writer. He is writing to Theophilus, who is a Greek convert. He's writing to convince him of the certainty of those things which he has heard. And uh, in the book of Acts, it's a continuation of what he wrote in the book of Luke. The book of Luke focused on the ministry of Jesus, on his ministry, his death, his burial, his resurrection. Um, And then the book of Acts focuses on the birth of the church, specifically focusing on the life of the Apostle Paul. Now, we just discussed the Apostle Paul in chapter number 9, but before then, he talks about the birth of the church and the growth of the church, and this has been his focus. And then, uh, one of the reasons why the church grew so fast, and I failed to mention this when we talked about Acts chapter 2, is because if you read in Acts chapter 2 and verses 9 through verse 11, uh, these nations, I did some study on this and looked up a map And actually, Jerusalem was almost in the dead center of all these nations. So when Pentecost happened and these Jews that had been dispersed, these other nations, when they they had all gathered for the Feast of Pentecost, and so when the Holy Ghost was poured out, they received the Holy Ghost, they were baptized in Jesus' name, they went back to all these nations. And so it literally spread north, south, east, and west. So the gospel continues to be preached all over the place. And it prepared the ground for uh, some of the future travels of these apostles. Some of them were visitors from Rome. Some of them uh, were uh, from, from Greek places. And so when they went back to all these places, it helped to spread the gospel very, very quick. And uh, we've been focusing specifically on the growth of the church and how it spread from the Jews first. Jesus said, um, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost come upon you, Acts 1 and 8. And uh, you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea, which is the surrounding region, uh, and to Samaria and, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth, obviously talking about the Gentiles and all over the world. And so uh, Samaria had been reached in Acts chapter 8. Several years had passed since Pentecost, um, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2. Uh, but several years went by before they finally reached out to Samaria. What forced them into Samaria Uh, was the persecution. It was the persecution that came through Saul, later to be called Paul. And then in Acts chapter 9, we read about his conversion. And then it it ends after his conversion by saying that there was a peace that came to the church. However, when Saul goes back after his conversion, the people are afraid of him. The church is afraid of him. And uh, Barnabas Uh, who has already been introduced in the text in Acts chapter 4 as a man who sold his land and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Uh, Barnabas was known as the son of consolation or son of comfort, and he took Saul in under his wing. And there's there's something so beautiful about this. Perhaps I'll uh, do a devotion one of these days on here and talk about Barnabas and how uh, important this man that hardly ever gets spoken about was to the entirety of Scripture. You can look at... Uh, The writer of the book of Mark was John Mark, and if it had not been for Barnabas, it is very possible that he would have fallen off the face of the earth. But Barnabas, even though at one point Paul rejected John Mark, Barnabas took him under his wing. Well, here the same thing is true. 
uh, about Saul, later to be called Paul, he may have never come up before the church. He may have never been used in the degree he was if it had not been for a Barnabas. And so many times we, we may not get credit for the things we do, but you never know when your life could impact somebody else that could make a huge impact on the world. And so Barnabas took him in Acts chapter 9, verse 27. I'm not going to take time to read it. Brought him before the council. Finally, they accept him. And then it goes back briefly to the ministry of Peter. And it ends in a very interesting way in Acts chapter 9. It says this, And it came to pass that he, talking about Peter, tarried many days in Joppa with one Simon, a tanner. Now, a tanner worked with dead animal hides. And uh, you might say, well, why is that important? It's important because Jews uh, considered that profession to be uh, completely and totally unclean. Their house would have uh, had a stench about it because they worked with so many dead animal hides. And in fact, I've even read that, uh, that uh, they forced them to work outside of the city walls. And so Peter... Uh, in, in several commentators I, I read about, it's talking about the fact that Peter uh, must have had some of his prejudice start to, to crumble and fall for him to be staying in the house of one Simon a Tanner. So it's very important that he's here when uh, what takes place in the next chapter happens because he is in the right place at the right time. And then it says this in Acts chapter 10, verse number 1, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man. All right, this is very important. Uh, number one, he's devout. He's devout. One that feared God and all his house. So we're not talking about a complete and total pagan. We're talking about somebody that feared God. Not feared the gods, feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. Again, not always praying to gods, plural, but to God always. So he's a devout man. He just doesn't have the full truth. And he's praying to God. He fears God. Uh, he gives much alms to the people. He prays to God always. Then it says this, And he saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. Now, there, there are so many interesting facts that I, I could talk about. Uh, if you go back to one of the parables that Jesus told, about the laborers that came in. If you go back and compare the hours uh, of, of the laborers that he found uh, specifically, you can actually compare them to the book of Acts, and I'm not going to take time to do this, but uh, it is an interesting study. So maybe for somebody that wants to go down that rabbit trail, maybe get out your Bible and go find the parable of the laborers, which he hired some at certain times and certain seasons. Uh, and go back and compare that to the book of Acts, specifically to Acts chapter number uh, 10. And it's, it's very interesting. But uh, moving on with the text, he saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is, is Peter. He lodges with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. Now notice, once again, we have a clear example of God appearing to man. Uh, however, the angel did not make it easy on Cornelius. He did not tell him how to be saved. He said, you send for Peter, he'll tell you how to be saved. Then if you flip back, obviously, to Acts chapter 9, when Jesus appeared uh, in a vision to Paul, he did not tell him how to be saved. He said, a man by the name of Ananias is going to come to you. So 
I, I do think this is a, a very clear example of the fact you need a preacher in your life. Uh, the angel could have told him how to be saved, but that wasn't the plan of God. How shall they hear without a preacher? Romans chapter 10. You've got to hear by the mouth of a preacher. You need a preacher in your life. Okay, so it says, uh, to make a long story short, uh, Peter is on his housetop. He has a vision. He sees all manner of, uh, of beasts, and they're unclean beasts. And a voice tells him, Arise, Peter, kill and eat. He said, Not so, Lord. Nothing common or unclean has ever entered into my mouth. This happens three times. Uh, and then finally... Uh, he's wondering about what the vision means, and the Lord tells him, Some men have sent for you. Go down. Uh, don't doubt anything. I have sent them. He goes to Cornelius' house, and let's read Acts chapter 10 and verse 23. Then called he them in and lodged them, and on the morrow Peter went away with them, and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. And the morrow after they entered into Caesarea, and Cornelius waited for them and called together his kinsmen, plural, and near friends, Plural. So this is more than just two or three people. This is more than ten. Um, there's no telling how many people were shoved into his house. We don't know how big his house was, but it was it was a good group of people, kins, men, plural, and their friends. And it says that Peter was as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter took him up, saying, Stand up, I myself am also a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many that were gathered together. So there's quite a few here. And he said unto them, You know how that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come into one of another nation. But God has showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Uh, therefore came I unto you without gain, saying, As soon as I was sent for, I asked therefore for what intent you have sent for me. And Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard, and thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodged in the house of one Simon a Tanner by the seaside, who, when he cometh, shall speak unto thee. Immediately therefore I send unto thee, and thou hast well done that thou art come. Now therefore are we all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. Now I'm just going to paint the scenario. You've got Cornelius, you've got his kinsmen, you've got his friends. There's many in this house. They're all waiting with bated breath, with great anticipation of what Simon Peter is going to preach. So I want to show you something, that Peter's going to preach something. This isn't going to be uh, revelatory in the sense of if you're in the church today, it's going to be all stuff you've heard before. But I, I do want you to notice that Peter goes back to the basics. Now he's not talking to Jews, he's talking to Gentiles. So he's going to go back to the basics and he's just going to preach unto them Jesus. This is what it says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted of him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word, I say, ye know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, who they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that uh, it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of quick and dead, uh, to him give all the prophets witness that through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. 
And then, let me just make this point. He said, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Uh, somebody might take that verse in and of itself and say, well, see there, all you've got to do is believe, and you immediately receive remission of sins. You don't have to be baptized. You don't have to receive the Holy Ghost uh, evidence by speaking in other tongues. You'll you'll receive it when you believe, and, and you'll get your remission of sins. But the story doesn't end there. Just keep reading. Okay, then it says, while Peter yet spake these words... The Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. Now, Peter didn't uh, give them a whole lot of very in-depth scripture reading. Uh, Peter didn't have to give them a long exposition about Jesus and how he fulfilled all this Old Testament prophecy. He just simply preached unto them Jesus. God had already prepared this ground for the preaching of the word of the Lord. And it says, While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. Can I just tell you, the Holy Ghost will always be able to do what you can't do. There may be some people you're working on right now, you just can't seem to convince them. What you need to do is fall on your knees in prayer and ask God to prepare that ground. So we're kind of back to what I talked about in the last lesson. It says, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. So, uh, again, let, let me just say this. Okay, Peter had told them about Jesus. Now, obviously, uh, Cornelius feared God with all his house, but he didn't have a full revelation about Jesus. Peter comes and he preaches Jesus. While he's preaching Jesus, the Holy Ghost starts falling. And it says, And they of the circumcision which believe were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, they of the circumcision obviously talking about the Jews. Up to this point, the Gentiles have not been included in the church. Now, there has been some uh, uh, proselytes to Judaism that we've read about in Acts chapter 8, the Ethiopian eunuch, for instance. But it is uh, believed that he was a proselyte. But here we have Gentiles, not proselytes, Gentiles, uh, that are hearing the gospel preached unto them. And so these men of the circumcision that went with Peter uh, are standing back and observing. They're saying, you know, uh, I'm not real sure I want to be here right now because we're not supposed to be in the house of Gentiles. We're going to face uh, persecution by our brethren because of what we're doing here. They're not going to understand what we're doing. And uh, you're going to read that in Acts chapter 11. We're going to go over it here in just a minute. But they're standing back and they're saying, well, Peter, we may go with you, but we're not going to touch these guys to baptize them. We're not going to lay hands on these guys because they're Gentiles. That's probably what they're thinking. But then it says, and they of the circumcision, again, verse 45 of Acts 10, uh, which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, how did they know this? Next verse, 40, verse 46. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? In context, what Peter is saying, since you see that God has accepted these men, are you really going to forbid them water that they should be baptized? They received the Holy Ghost as well as we, or that could be translated just like we did. So just like we received it on the day of Pentecost, just like you received it, they've received the Holy Ghost. They spoke in tongues just like we did. Then verse 48, and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Again, it's not optional. He commanded it, just like he did in Acts 2.38. Uh, he commanded it here. He commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord obviously is Jesus. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. All right, and then in chapter number 11, after the Holy Ghost has been poured out upon the Gentiles, they receive the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in other tongues. 
just like they did in Acts 2. I've already presented the case for Acts 8 that the same thing happened there. And in a minute, we're going to study where it happened in another place. Um, it says in chapter 11, And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with him, saying, Thou wentest to men uncircumcised, and didst eat with them. But Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning, and expounded it by order unto them, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, a certain vessel descended. Okay, I'm going to skip down here just a little bit. Uh, verse. Uh, let's go to verse number uh, uh, 10, uh, 11. Excuse me. And behold, immediately there were three men already come into the house where I was, sent from Caesarea unto me. So he's already told them about the vision. Now he says, And the Spirit bade me go with them, nothing doubting. Moreover, uh, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered into the man's house. And he showed us how he had seen an angel in his house, which stood and said unto him, Send men to Joppa, and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who shall tell thee words, whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. So Peter told them how to be saved. What happened in Acts chapter 10? While he yet spake the words, the Holy Ghost fell on them. They spoke with tongues, and they were baptized. He commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And it says, And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. So he says, just like it happened to us in the beginning, Jews, I'm telling you, it happened just like that to them. They spoke with tongues just like we did. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Okay, skipping down now to verse number 19. So they've received the word. They were happy with it after that. Then verse 19 says, Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that were about Stephen traveled as far as Phinehas and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyrus, uh, Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came into the ears of the church, which was at, uh, in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came and had seen the grace of God, uh, was glad and exhorted them all uh, that with purpose of heart they should cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people were added unto the Lord. So once again we see Barnabas is heavily involved in the growth of the church. And then uh, Acts chapter 12, the church faces persecution from Herod. Uh, he threatens uh, to persecute the church. He kills James with the sword. He seeks to put Peter to death, but the Lord delivers Peter from prison. Uh, we're going to skip over that. And then in Acts chapter 13, uh, the Holy Ghost speaks to the church and says, Separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And so Paul begins his first missionary journey. Now through the missionary journeys of Paul, the church is going to grow by leaps and bounds. And this is an inexhaustible subject. There's no way I'll be able to cover all of this. So I'm going to do my best to skip over a lot. Uh, he preaches the gospel with Barnabas the first time. Uh, and they go and they begin to spread the gospel all over the then known world. Um, and it spreads rapidly thanks to the preaching of Paul. And then uh, it says... Paul finds uh, Timothy in, in Acts chapter number 16. Uh, and then we hear about, uh, obviously, there is a separation between Paul and Barnabas. Then Paul chooses Silas, and he goes one way, and Barnabas chooses John Mark, and he goes another. And uh, so the gospel continues to be spread. There may be dissensions in the body at times, but the gospel just keeps getting spread. He keeps preaching. And during this period, um, 
the epistles that you read about, the churches uh, that they're written to, were started in this book of Acts. Uh, for instance, the church at Corinth. You can read about the founding of the church at Corinth. Um, you can read about the founding of the church at Thessalonica. You can read about the church uh, of Philippi and where that started. Um, you can read about all of these in the church of Ephesus. And uh, there's so many different uh, uh, beautiful stories written in the book of Acts. But if you want to go back to the founding of those churches, just read about it in the book of Acts. And then the epistles are the letters to those churches. Okay, and then we're going to focus specifically on this chapter because it's very important for our discussion. Let's go now to Acts chapter number 19. Uh, Acts chapter 19 and verse number 1. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? Now notice, he did not deny the fact that uh, they had believed they were disciples of John the Baptist. And what John had preached was uh, that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. So, uh, John preached about Jesus. He preached, there comes one after me, mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. Uh, he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. So the whole point of John's ministry was to point the way toward Jesus. He said in John chapter 1, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And a couple of his disciples left him and went and followed Jesus. So obviously they knew who Jesus was. Uh, he said, and, and he did not deny the fact that they had believed on Jesus, but he said, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Now some translations will change this to, when you believe. But what, however it reads, the point is still the same. They had believed, but they had not yet received the Holy Ghost telling us, that uh, that uh, it's not it doesn't come immediately at the point of belief. He said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. Obviously, they had not heard about the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? Notice the first two questions Paul asked these disciples of John the Baptist was, he didn't have to give them a long dissertation on who Jesus was, believe on the Lord. He didn't have to say that because they already believed on Jesus. But he said, have you received the Holy Ghost? First question. Second question, since you haven't received the Holy Ghost, how were you baptized? So he's trying to find the root of the problem. How did you not receive the Holy Ghost? Well, the second question I have for you is, how were you baptized? And they said, unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, what was the difference between Paul's baptism and uh, the baptism of John the Baptist? The invoking of the name of Jesus. It was important that the name of Jesus had to be called over them. It says, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. It was so important that they be baptized in Jesus' name that Paul rebaptized them. John the Baptist had baptized Jesus, but that wasn't good enough for these men. They had to be baptized in Jesus' name. And then it says, uh, And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Now, why is this chapter so important? Why did I take time to focus on this when I've skipped over so much in the book of Acts? It's because of this. Some people would argue and say, well, the only reason they spoke in tongues in Acts chapter 2 is because that was the initial birth of the church. And then you might say, well, okay, what about Acts chapter 10 and the, and the birth of the Gentile church? Well, yeah, that's just because that was the birth of the Gentile church. That's the only reason. But what about here in Acts chapter 19? Uh, th these are just disciples of John the Baptist. There's only 12 men. Uh, the next verse says, and all the men were about 12. That's verse 7 of Acts 19. So uh, obviously it wasn't just because this was the beginning of something. Uh, this was the normative experience for the church. They spoke with tongues. This is regular occurrence. They were baptized in Jesus' name. 
and they spoke with tongues. And then you can read in Acts chapter 19 about the miraculous growth of that church in Ephesus. It causes a great uproar because the revival happens there. So Paul once again faces persecution. And then uh, you can continue to read in Acts chapter number 20 uh, that Paul goes back to visit uh, Jerusalem. And then he goes into Macedonia, he goes into Greece, he goes into Troas. Uh, and then you can keep reading that Paul, uh, in Acts chapter 21, seeks to go back to Jerusalem, but the Holy Spirit keeps warning him through prophets that if he goes, he's going to face great persecution. But Paul says, none of these things move me, and he decides he's going back. But then uh, Paul gets, uh, later on, long, making a long story short, Paul gets arrested and uh, he seeks to appear before Caesar. He finally appeals to Caesar because the uh, court system in that day was very corrupt and the Jews wanted his death and Felix sought to appease the Jews. And, and so uh, Paul appealed his case to Caesar. Uh, and so uh, the rest of the book of Acts is all about his journey to Rome. And uh, I could take time to read all of it, but I'm not going to for the sake of time. So then uh, what you need to understand is Paul never actually made it uh, uh, in, into Rome until uh, you read uh, uh, in Acts chapter 28. This is how the, the book of Acts ends his ministry in Rome. And 